What is up, my Nikos? Welcome to episode three of Talking to Myself Again. Work in progress on the name. Let me know in the comments below or on our podcast because we are taking this to the audio books. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. So you guys listening to me in the podcast, I appreciate you right now. Let's get into it. Today, I want to talk about weight gain, weight loss, and diabetes. Oh, diabetes. I don't answer type 1 diabetes. Why? Well, because that's a big part of my life now. As I mentioned in a recent episode, actually last episode, I am a type 1 diabetic. I suffered in 2019, right before the pandemic hit, I suffered a DKA also known as a diabetic ketoacidosis, basically a diabetes attack. That's what happened to me. And what I have learned since then is illuminating, to say the least. Especially when it comes to the medical system and kind of the state of affairs in which it's in, at least in America, right? I don't know about other countries. I'm not going to speak for them. But at least in the American system... And especially for specialists, right? I'm talking endocrinologists and things like that. Not a doctor that you see in the emergency room, like a, a surgeon, a brain surgeon, something like that. Like real doctors, you know, they they stand the test of time. They're there to help you and, and make you better. Specialized doctors, well, I mean, that's a different story entirely. A specialized doctor, someone who specializes in making money from your ailments. And that's all it is. It's the craziest part about it. I learned all this when, again, I became diagnosed with type 1. Now, to take it back a little bit, I was actually diagnosed with type 2 back when I was around 16, 17 years old. Back in the day, I used to be very big. I was obese, around 300 pounds, give or take, you know, on a good day. So to me, it made sense. It was like, yeah, of course, I'm a type 2 diabetic. I'm super fat. It makes sense, right? Because that's all I knew about diabetes, that well, if you're fat, you're going to get it. And it all checked out. I was fat, so I got type 2. And type 2 wasn't that bad. Type 2, honestly, it's basically how you should live your life if you eat healthy and exercise then you're good with type 2 it goes away and you should be fine and basically it's just like hey just live healthily eat good sleep get the energy do some exercise move around a bit and you'll be fine right so i did i walked around i did a lot of exercise actually what i did to lose a lot of weight was i ended up the first thing was, again, the, the big driving force. Because to lose weight, just say, oh, lose weight, it's hard. It's very hard to just go in there and say, oh, I can do this, let me lose the weight. Right? So with me, a big thing that happened, which I spoke about earlier in a previous episode, is I got cheated on by my first girlfriend. Right? And after that occurred, in my head, I wondered what was wrong with me. Like, why me? Why did I get cheated on? Out of everybody else in the world, like, why did this happen? Why did it happen? It happened to me. Why? Oh, why? And I sat down 
And I thought about it long and hard for a full weekend. I turned my cell phone off for a full weekend after this whole ordeal happened. And I, it all came up to my face that she cheated on me. I turned my cell phone off for a whole weekend. And I sat down and I thought about it. And I said, why did I get cheated on? Oh, simple. It's because I'm fat. That's why. There's no other explanation. If I were skinny, then I wouldn't get cheated on, obviously. Which again, that by the way isn't true because I, I I was skinny as well and also got cheated on. So that's not true. But in my head at the time, that's what I thought it was. I was like, well, a fat guy doesn't get the girl, right? That's not the trope. The movies don't normally go that way, right? It's the good-looking guy gets the girl, right? Not the opposite way around. So I said, okay, that's it. I'm going to lose weight. That's my new goal. I'm going to lose weight because I never want to feel this way again. I never want to feel like that shitty again in my life. Because getting cheated on and all that, it's it's way worse than just like a, a little sting. And like, oh, you'll get over it, right? She just They just cheated on, you know, a whole lot of trust issues and all that comes into play. So that summer, I did football. I was on the football team. And what I decided to do was instead of just doing the football practices the way I normally did, I was going to put 120% in every practice, right? And I, oh, 100%, that's impossible. Well, I did. So it all starts out in the summer. And if you don't know how football works in high school, basically they have a two days, which during the summer, it's before school starts, you go and you practice in the morning and then you go home and then you eat a little bit and then you go back in the afternoon and you practice. So it's basically twice a day, two a days is what it's called. And that's how it works. I remember going in and the coach would say, all right, everyone, we're going to need to sprint a lap, right? Oh, sorry, jog a lap. We need to jog a lap and everyone would start jogging the lap. And me, what I started doing was I would just sprint the lap and I would always be the first one done. And no matter what we did, the drills that were happening, if you had to hit hit the pack, you know, you got to hit. If you had to do defensive drill and offensive drill, I would always give it my all. My all, 120%. And I started off, I was a starting defensive tackle, right? And as two days progressed, because <laughs> I was 300 pounds and I was, you know, heavy and I was fast. I was, I remember I ran a four- 40 yard dash and five seconds flat, which for a 300 pound guy, that's pretty fast. Four seconds flat, you know, 40, sorry, five seconds flat, not four seconds, five seconds flat, 40 yard dash for, which, you know, it's pretty good. And I kept losing the weight and they had to keep moving me. So the coach would move me as a, you know, cornerback and then other things to kind of try to make me work. And I remember one day the coach brings me into his office and coach Howard and he's a very big guy, not like big, but he was big, but also very muscular. He was so big. In fact, that he couldn't answer the phone to his ear normally because his biceps were so big. They were so bulging that he had to pick up the phone and basically put it over his, his head and hold his phone right here as he spoke to you, because that's, that's how big this man's biceps were. He lived, slept dreamt ate the gym that's what he did great coach if you wanted to gain he definitely knew how to how to put some pounds on you and i remember he brings me into his office one day sits me down says sir it looks like you're trying 
getting little chicken legs going in right now. I actually wrote down a little plan for you to do so that, you know, you can start bulking up again. So <laughs> he came up with this full list of basically a diet plan of what to eat and how to get bulk. <laughs> And it was the most ridiculous thing. I remember it was you wake up at five in the morning and you have to eat six eggs and sit, uh, no, eight strips of bacon. So it's you wake up in the morning, you eat six eggs and eight strips of bacon. And that's your breakfast. And then you go on from there every half hour on the half hour mark, you have to eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for lunch you need to get at least a, a foot long worth of meat in uh, be it a sub sandwich like a subway sandwich form or some kind of protein just uh, and like a meat's worth of protein while still eating the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches every half an hour mind you and then for dinner, it was more eggs, a little bit of grains, like some rice and stuff, and then a whole chicken with the cutoff being around 9 o'clock where you had to eat or drink a protein shake. <laughs> and I just remember looking at this list and being like, yeah, thank you so much, coach. I'm definitely going to look over this and get a lot of with a lot of good points, a lot of strong points in here. I'm going to check it out. And I ended up not following it. Obviously, I wanted to lose the weight. So eventually, they just kind of let me do. And I would just sit on the sidelines, go to the practice, put 110%. And it made the team better as well. I remember talking to Cam. He was the guy on the football team. He was a offensive tackle. And when I would go up against him in drills and stuff and in practice, I remember after games, he would come up to me and just thank me and be like, wow, Nitro, man, like the amount of energy and effort that you put during practice, like these guys out there are nothing, they're nothing because I would always put 110%. So if you guys are watching this or listening, you know, it's not a bad thing, not a bad idea to, to go hundred percent always because it makes you better it makes your team better if you know like that's what kobe bryant did that's what michael jordan did right always gotta push always always be pushing always be pushing so i lost a lot of weight and i'm getting down to like 200 pounds 203 195 you know around there and then i fluctuated because the hard part the hardest part about losing weight it's not the losing the weight part what they don't tell you the hardest part about losing weight is actually losing weight and keeping off the weight right so what studies have shown it's you have to lose the weight and then for two years later you have to maintain that stability in your weight and then your body will basically put that as its reset point so for two years, once you lose the weight, your body needs to stay there. And then that'll kind of be where your weight fluctuates, but it will have its kind of reset point at there. You just need to have that weight lost for two years. Right. And my brother, 
bless his heart, great man. I mean, he's not dead. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why I did the sign of the cross. My brother, bless his heart, he has issues and difficulties with this because he's actually fluctuated like an accordion multiple times, back and forth. You know, he's and he loses astronomical amounts of weight. Right. I used to be, I think 300 was my max, his max, I want to say is around like 340, 360. And, you know, he goes down to 190 and then he goes back up to 320 and then back down and up and down. So the hardest part, which isn't what they tell you, is actually maintaining the weight loss for those next couple of years so that then you plateau and that's how your body resets. Just to keep that in mind. Lost the weight my diabetes would be fine i was on these pills at the time called metformin and i thought you know i'll just take some of these metformin and everything will be fine i'll just keep my my weight which was still always fluctuating around that size and i did what i every young kid does you know i went to college and i drank and i ate and i drank and i ate and the carbs and the drinking and the culmination of all of that was in 2019 getting that dka i still remember it and it was a big life-changing moment for me because it was almost as though it was meant to happen do you know those occurrences that just they seem so impossibly infinitesimal that the likeliness of it occurring in such a way is just astronomically absurd you ask me what does that even mean what do you mean by that right and i'll explain to you guys basically my dk attack and how it happened and why had it happened in any other situation any other month any other day any other time i probably be dead by now i wouldn't even be alive to be recording this and sharing this with you guys and trying to build a community what happened was was 2019 i'm living in new york city but i'm back home for christmas break i'm back home everything's fine i'm feeling great and all of a sudden my parents decide hey you know what we're all here the whole family's here for christmas it's nice we haven't seen each other in a while you know we were my brother was in d you know a further in dc my other brother was across the the, the country in, in italy right we hadn't been in a family for a long time so they said hey it's a great time let's just go on a vacation out of the blue out of nowhere they say tomorrow Let's go on vacation. Let's go to Vermont, which is a place that we used to go skiing with when we were younger. Our parents would take us there. So it has some kind of sentimental value to us, right? They say, tomorrow we're going to go to, to Vermont. And this is something, mind you, that my family doesn't do. We don't just decide to take next day vacation trips and just drop everything that we have. Hey, let's go on a trip tomorrow. No, when we go on vacation and when we do trips together, it's, it's planned. It's planned months in ahead way ahead of time we we make sure everyone's itineraries on schedule we make sure everything lines up and we we know what's going to happen there we know that we have the pharmacies we basically look up the locations in case something bad is going to happen and, and we're we know what we're getting into this was 
spur of the moment hey tomorrow let's go to vacation to vermont quick weekend trip the next morning comes and we all set our alarms really early normally my family kind of likes to sleep in we get up around 11 in the afternoon in the afternoon yeah we all get up around 11 in the afternoon no we get up around 11 in the morning 10 11 you know 9 30 is kind of pushing it so we're late risers we don't get the worms we're not the early birds i set my alarm clock because we're gonna leave around six in the morning so i want to set it early so i can get ready mentally i need to shower and do kind of my own prep so i set my alarm clock for around four in the morning i also like to snooze so i like to snooze a little bit i set it off and i remember hearing my alarm clock and even before i hear my alarm clock i'm already awake a couple of hours before and i'm breathing very heavily breathing going i'm just breathing really heavily it's really hard for me to grasp any amount of air i don't know why my alarm clock's going on and i'm like oh you know this is this will pass this will pass this will pass i keep telling myself that this is going to pass and i just kind of let myself drift off and i drift off now, had this happened when I was in New York, having a job, living, you know, just doing my thing over there, doing the comedy, I would have died. I would have died. My roommates wouldn't have been home because they, they work late and they work early. No one would have known. No one would have knocked on my door. Like my parents could have texted me, but they would have called. And then it would have, it would have taken the cops or, you know, to come and knock on my door to figure out that, oh, yeah, he's actually... Eh dead in his bed because you know I, i'm pretty sure had i drifted away right there i would have had the endless slumber fortunately for me my brother comes in the room around five in the morning he had had it with my alarm clock that's the reason why he tells me that still to this day he was upset because he kept hearing the alarm clock he's came in and he told me he actually i remember he, he comes in and says hey oh turn off the alarm clock man like and then he sees me and sees the state that i'm in and he says you're oh my god are you okay we're taking you to the hospital so he goes and wakes up my parents and you know we're all at home at the moment and they drive me you know i put on i stumbled and try to put on my clothes right i'm pretty sure my brother helped me put on my pants and and just any kind of hoodie that was there they rushed me down to the hospital and I get taken into the emergency room. They go in, I go in, I kind of stumble in, they put me in a wheelchair and they roll me right through. It's on. Someone's gotta do some interventions. I go in and they're doing all the tests to see what's wrong with me. They see that my blood sugar is around 470, uh, which is very high. Normally the resting blood sugar should be at around 70 so double digits right 70 is good 40 to 70 is is pretty normal you know it definitely goes up once you eat a little bit in the hundreds too but 470 is very very high for your blood sugar to be i was having a diabetes attack they knew it i didn't know it i thought i was dying the nurses start scrambling around me i remember still seeing my parents in the room next to me there's this window this glass window that you can basically see through it and I'm getting operated on. And, and that was the one of the worst pains of my life, starting with 
the catheter. Ah, yes. The catheter. The best friend of any person. If you know what a catheter is, it's basically this very long tube that they put inside your urethra. If you don't know what a urethra is, you should Google it. <laughs> Unless you're a kid, then it's the, your pee pee hole. Uh, let's just cut it right now. I don't want kids Googling urethras and stuff. All right. They put a big tube in your urethra so as to induce peeing because they were like, hey, we need you to pee. Can you pee? And I was like, bro, are you kidding? I pee every day. I pee every day. Of course I can pee. No sweat. Oh, I sweated. Oh, I sweated hard. I could not pee. I was like, oh, I got it. I got it. And I remember looking at the nurse and he was holding on to that catheter patiently three seconds until he was like no we got to go in and he just pass out they do whatever doctors do they bring me back to life wake up in the icu i have insulin and i guess intravenously in me at all times just dripping because they need to bring my insulin and blood sugar levels down slowly not all at once because that could also cause problems to your body so i'm on a drip every hour they're coming in and, and poking my and getting my blood sugar they're poking me and making sure that my my levels are stable so I basically I can't sleep every hour they're coming in even at night i'm being woken up every uh, every hour on the hour to make sure that i'm alive And then I become a diabetic, right? That's my, this is not my life. This is the reality of things. I had thought, right, that had I just lost the weight, then diabetes would have been cured because that's what I'm, I was told. That's what everyone's told. I was growing up. Diabetes is just a joke, right? I mentioned it earlier. You see it like in South Park and, oh, you know, it's the diabetic kid who's, you know, he has difficulty eating sugar. And they make him eat sugar sometimes as like a joke, right? Or Patrice O'Neill, rest in peace, that man for real. One of my favorite comedians of all time. He was a diabetic. He made a lot of jokes about diabetes. A lot of very funny jokes about diabetes. I'm not saying you can't laugh about it and make jokes, right? But... There was never this education on diabetes. And in fact, I would even go ahead and argue that there's an anti-education on it. Because if you guys grew up, when I grew up in the 90s and such, early 2000s, maybe especially in the 90s, you would remember seeing commercials of cereal, like tricks, Wookie Crisp. Cocoa Puffs, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, right? All of these commercials, and they would also always add in, oh, and they go good with orange juice, which is a tasty part of your balanced breakfast, right? A healthy, balanced breakfast. And orange juice, milk, and cereal. And they would push that as a healthy, balanced breakfast. And sure, I mean, it's commercials, but, I mean, I'm a kid, right the fda should probably step in and be like maybe it's not so healthy but once you start looking at all the sugar that's in all that stuff especially orange juice it's like my goodness if i were to drink a cup of orange juice right now without medication like insulin 
I could die. You know, that's a lot of sugar. That's a lot of sugar. And, you know, the whole food pyramid, how you should have carbs was the biggest and you should eat all the carbs. And another thing that they don't teach you, which I had absolutely no idea about, which the doctor, once I told them this, they were like, oh, you didn't know? I was like, no, is carbs, ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't know, carbs actually turns into sugar. Did you know that? I had, I had no idea. So when I would be going out, and I would be in college, and I would be out of college, right, even working, and in, in New York, living there, and I would be eating, I don't know, a big plate of pad thai. I would say to myself, well, you know, at least I'm not eating sugar. Slap myself. Like, come on. And I know I'm at fault, but no, I don't think it's ever told to you that, oh, carbs turn into sugar. What? I bet you right now there's a lot of you listening and hearing this that had no idea that carbs turn into sugar. I didn't know. But now I do because I have to be very aware of that. Because everything that I eat requires me to inject myself with a needle. Have I mentioned I don't like needles? I don't hate needles. I'm not like, oh, cringing at needles. But injecting yourself every day is not fun. Especially multiple times a day. It's not fun. 